We are on Yavamos Pehei Omer Aleph, 85a, towards the top of the Gemara. The Gemara was just discussing the concept of as in, which is the idea that a Kohen is not allowed to marry a woman who is a Chalala, a woman who either had illicit relationships or is the daughter of an illicit relationship. Um, however, in the opposite, it would be allowed, meaning... If you have the daughter of a Kohen who's married to a man who is a Chalal, he's the child of an illicit relationship, so then that is allowed. That's a marriage which is allowed. The only time that's not allowed is if it's in the opposite, if it's the Kohen who is marrying a woman who is a Chalal. Now the Gemara now is going to ask, is this actually true or not? Where, do we have a proof for this? So Rapapa Ravuna, Rapapa and Ravuna, the son of Rabbi Yeshua, they went to visit the city where Rabbi Rav Bar'avin was the rabbi of the city. And the people there, Ba'aminahu, they asked of Rav Papa and Rav Huna Bredi Rav Yeshua, What do we say? What's the halacha? What's the law? Could a woman who is the daughter of a Kohen marry a man who is a halal? So, Amr Luhu Rav Papa. Rav Papa says as follows, I have the following Mishnah as a proof. Tanitsua. We have the following Mishnah. Asar Yochsan Alumi Bava, when the Jews went from Bavol, from Babylonia to Israel, when they returned with Ezra, ten different groups returned. We have Kohanim, Leviim, Yisraelim, not only the Kohen Levi and Yisrael, the regular three, but we have Chalalim, this category of a Chalal, Gerim, converts, Charurim is also a form of converts, they were first slaves, non Jewish slaves, and they were converts. Mamzerim, a mamzer, who we've discussed many times in the past, the child of an illicit relationship. Nisinim, also people who converted with a questionable conversion. Shtuki, vasufi, uh, different forms of potential mamzerim that we keep quiet about with regards to who their parents are. That is your group of 10. We have 10 different categories of Jews. Uh, some of the commentators point out that we also have 10 different levels of holiness in the land of Israel. That there's really, there's the base of Megdash, there's the temple, and then there's the, uh, there's the old city of Jerusalem, the walled city. Then we have beyond there. And so there's really, there's even, uh, there's the Holy of Holies within the temple. And then there's the Holies. So there's also 10 different categories of Kedusha, of holiness, and uh, that there's a parallel between uh, the ten different ho- levels of holiness of the land of Israel and the ten different categories of different types of Jews. That's just a side point. But what does the Mishnah say? Kohan Levi and Yisrael and Maternal Levi A Kohen, Levi, and Yisrael, they're allowed to marry each other. There's no problem with that. Next category, people that can marry. A Levi and a Yisrael. Chalalim, if you are a Chalal, meaning anybody in this category is not a Kohen. Converts, Gerim, Harurim, also form of converts. Maternal Levi So in the category number two, you have anybody who is not a Kohen, and also they are not a Mamzer, uh, so then they are allowed to marry each other. And the last category is Geri, Haruri, Mamzer, Nisini, Shtuki, Vasufi, anybody who is a convert Mamzer or questionable Mamzer, they are also allowed to marry each other. The point is, what's the proof? It should have mentioned, as one of the cases which is allowed, is that a woman who is a Kohen, she's the daughter of a Kohen, is allowed to marry a Chalal. That is not included in it. It doesn't list that in the case of the Mishnah. Presumably, the reason why it doesn't mention it in the Mishnah is because it's really not allowed. Not like what we were assuming until now. 
Till now, we were assuming that such a relationship is allowed, but the fact that it's not mentioned in this list seems to imply that it is really not allowed, and that's why it's not mentioned in the list. So, so that's what Papa wanted to suggest, but his friend, Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yeshua, who came with him, said, no, it's not true. Amr Rav Huna, Rav Yeshua, he says, no, the entire list in the Mishnah is a list of people who are allowed to marry each other in both directions. A Kohen is allowed to marry Israel. The daughter of a Kohen is, a, uh, a Kohen is allowed to marry the daughter of Israel. The daughter of a Kohen is allowed to marry a man who is Israel. It works in both directions. And the same thing is true that... A levy is allowed to marry a convert, a, a convert woman. A, a daughter of a levy is allowed to marry a convert man. It works in both directions. And a mamzer is allowed to marry a convert, the daughter, or she's a convert. And if she's a mamzeress, if she's a mamzer, she's allowed to marry a man who's a convert. It works in both directions. However, the reason why our case is not mentioned, the case of where she's the daughter of a Kohen, and that she's allowed to marry a chalal, a man who is a chalal, the reason why it's not mentioned, it's allowed, so why isn't it mentioned in this list? The reason why it's not mentioned in this list is because it doesn't work in both directions. It doesn't work in both directions. We don't say that uh, if he is a Kohen, so then he's allowed to marry a woman who is a chalala. We don't say that. It's not allowed. And so therefore, that's why it is uh, not mentioned. Uh, but not because it's not allowed. It is allowed. It just doesn't work in the opposite direction. Okay. So there's no proof. In the end of the day, there's no proof from the Mishnah. So also the Kameh of Idi Baravin. In the end of the day, they go to the rabbi of the town. Rav Idi Baravin is the rabbi of the town. And they ask, what's the law? So I'm a Dartiki. So he tells them, young ones, because they had a whole time trying to figure it out. But this was already stated a while ago. Rav already has said this in the past. And this is what we saw in our Gemara in last week's recording. That... Uh, there is no, there is no problem. There's no prohibition. If she's the daughter of the Kohen, she's allowed to marry a man who is a halal. There's absolutely no problem with that. Some of the commentators point out why is it, in fact, that uh, they went to the rabbi of the town last. They first went to the visitors of the town, and then they went to the rabbi of the town. Why did they go to the rabbi of the town? Uh, so some of the commentators point out that, uh, depending on the version that you have, but according to one version, uh, they went to a certain city where, in the Talmud, it says elsewhere that the people of that city. They were chutzpahdik. They were chutzpahdik. They didn't have proper midos, proper character traits. Um, and so therefore, they were, uh, there was a ruling that you shouldn't live there. That it's really not good to live there because you get impacted by your neighbors. And if they're chutzpahdik and they don't have good character, so then you're also not going to have good character. So <laughs> the commentators suggested that really this rabbi lived he was the rabbi of the city, but he didn't live in the city proper. He lives a little bit outside the city. So these two other rabbis were visiting. They came to visit, and so they asked the question to these two rabbis. They didn't have the answer, so then they went to the rabbi of the city, who wasn't living in the city, but was living in the outskirts of the city. Okay, let's see a few more lines in the Gemara. Uh, we're moving on in the Mishnah. We're moving on with the analysis of different lines of the Mishnah. The Mishnah mentioned different cases where there's a prohibition either to get married but not to do yibum, or there's a prohibition to do yibum but not to get married. Um, and so the end of the Mishnah discussed cases of uh, prohibitive relationships with your family members, not on a biblical level, but on a rabbinic level. It's not about immediate family, direct immediate family, but it's on a rabbinic level, a grandparent, a grandchild, uh, different cases. 
where it had different cases where uh, sometimes you could you could have a marriage which is not allowed on a rabbinic level, uh, and sometimes it, and, but it would be allowed to do yibum because the, there's no uh, relationship there which is a prohibition. Or you could have in the opposite that the marriage itself is fine, but the to do yibum is not allowed. Uh, so that's what the Mishnah discussed. The Mishnah also pointed out that um, that there's no ksuba in such a case, in such a marriage. There's no ksuba. We don't have a ksuba. The ksuba is the document uh, that you have where the husband obligates himself to support his wife in case of death, if he dies, or if they get divorced. And so in such a relationship where there's a prohibition, let's say they're married, and uh, you have a certain case where it's a rabbinic prohibition for them to be married because they're, re- they're related. And so this was a rabbinic prohibition, so there's no ksuba. So the Gemara wants to know now, okay, fine, there's no ksuba in that marriage. Let's say the husband dies, and now... There's this potential for Yibam with the brother-in-law. The brother-in-law is not an immediate relative. It's a situation where the brother-in-law is not viewed as an immediate relative. There is no prohibition whatsoever. The question is, in that case of Yibam, do we now have Iksuba? In the original marriage, there was no Iksuba because we wanted them, it was a fine. We wanted them to get divorced. The Iksuba would be an incentive for them not to get divorced, but we want them to get divorced. So we say, you know what, get rid of the Iksuba. Husband, go and divorce your wife. Uh, if there was a ksuba, so then maybe he would be hesitant to because now he has to support his wife. Uh, so we say, you know what? Forget about the ksuba. We want to, you have to get divorced because uh, you're not allowed to stay married. It's a prohibition to stay married on a rabbinic level. Fine. But the actual yibum could take place. The question is, is there a ksuba or is there not a ksuba? Now, this is a very interesting question because this relates back ultimately to the fundamental point that the yavam, the, the brother-in-law who's entering into this relationship, is really viewed as a continuation of that relationship, perhaps. And since, since it's a continuation of that relationship, uh, so therefore there's room to say that really there shouldn't be exuba. Just like there was no exuba in the uh, first marriage, there should also not be exuba in the yibum, the yibum which takes place. So that will be the question of our Gemara. The people of Bari, the city of Bari, they ask Rav Sheshesh, If there was a relationship with the husband, but uh, meaning, meaning that they were related between the husband and the wife, but not to the brother-in-law, so then the question is, there's no ksuba in the first marriage, because the first marriage is not allowed. They're not allowed to stay married. They have to get divorced. So there's no ksuba. We want to uh, allow the husband to easily divorce his wife, because they're not allowed to be married. Uh, but what about the Yavam, the brother-in-law? Is there Aksuba or is there not Aksuba? Do we say that it's an extension and so therefore just like the first marriage there was no Aksuba? So to when they do Yibam there's no Aksuba? Or do we say that no, there should be Aksuba? Because there's a value to the Aksuba. The Aksuba makes it that it's not so easy just to get divorced. No, because he has to then support her. In general, the reason why we have Aksuba, uh, where he obligates himself to pay uh, and to support her after the marriage is there as an incentive to make sure that it's not so easy to get divorced. What's the Halacha? In general, we say, this goes back to an idea that we had many months ago, uh, that even if there's a ksuba for the, for the original marriage, and then the husband dies without kids and they do yibam, so the ksuba generally uh, basically puts a lien on all of your assets, that uh, everything that you have uh, has potential to belong to your wife in case you get divorced or uh, or you die. 
so that uh, she could collect from it. And even if you sell it, so then she has the right to go after those that bought it, uh, to, to collect, for, to be supported. Um, however, uh, when the husband dies, and now the Yavam does Yibam, and it's a new marriage, but it's a new marriage, but it's a continuous marriage. So we say the law is, is that you could collect from the Ksuba only from the property of the original husband. He, the, the, the brother now who does Yibam inherits from uh, his estate, and he gets, he gets the, the, brother, the deceased brother's uh, property, and so that is what is uh, viewed as potential for the for the wife to collect from could collect from the original husband's property, but she does not. She is not allowed to collect uh, from the yavam's property, his own property, because it's viewed as a continuation. So, do we say that since it's viewed as a continuation, that uh, in this case where there is no ksuba in the first marriage, there shouldn't be ksuba with the yavam, or do we say that no, uh, that even in that case. If the brother passes away without any assets, he has nothing. So then in that case, the law is, in fact, that the Yavam does then have to uh, support his wife with his own property. He would have to support the sister-in-law who becomes his wife through Yavam, through his own property, because since his deceased brother had nothing left. So therefore, he has to support with his own property. So once that's the case, so this is some somewhat of a proof to the idea that even though there was a ksuba in the first marriage, but he, the husband couldn't. The deceased husband couldn't pay for it. He he had no money, but yeah, we make the yavam pay for it with his own money. So maybe so too over here, even though uh, there's a fine and there's no ksuba in the first marriage because we want them to get divorced. Maybe in this case, once yibum is done, they should in fact have a ksuba. So what's the halacha? What's the law? So says the Gemara. Amalur of Shesh. Shesh says tenisua. The rule is, we have in a brisa, it says explicitly that once there's a fine on the first marriage, that there is no ksuba because we want them to get divorced. So then there's no ksuba even for the yavam. There's no ksuba for the yavam. That's the rule. Um, so the Gemara just points out, it's just a, Rashi points out that this is just a technical point in the language. We say that uh, you could, uh, the ksuba is based off the uh, estate of the original husband who passed away. If he doesn't have any money, as we pointed out before, so then you could collect from the yavam, from the yavam's property. However, if it's a case where there is no ksuba at all, because of a fine, because we don't want them, uh, because we want them to get divorced, and so therefore there's this fine that's imposed. So then that fine continues, even though the yavam is uh, is entering into it, and there's no problem, there's no prohibition for the yavam for the brother-in-law to marry the sister-in-law. There's no additional prohibition, so we still say there is no ksuba. Now it's just important to note. If they do remain married, yibam is a, is a one-time thing. It's one act of sexual relations. But if they remain married, there is a dispute amongst the commentators. Now that they remain married, do we have to institute a new ksuba? It's true for the just for that one-time thing that there is no ksuba for the one-time act. But if they plan on staying married, because of the principle that in general for marriage we require ksuba, you have to have a ksuba so that so that it, it, it allows for the marriage to. Uh, continue so that it's not so easy just to get divorced. It requires responsibility on the part of the husband to, to say that 
if I if we get divorced, so then I have to support you. So he's going to think twice before he divorces his wife. Uh, so because that's true, so then maybe some of the commentators, not everybody, but some of the commentators point out that if they plan on staying married, so then we require another ksuba. Okay, we'll continue with the Gemara in the next recording.